Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. And tonight we're going to talk about our favourite classic cars driven and possibly not driven. Something so, we aspire to drive to one day. Yeah, one day. And what you have driven, whether as a youngster or recently, in terms of classic cars. And we've got a, a variety of ones we're talking about because we're talking about Australian muscle, maybe American muscle, uh, some of the Europeans. So, um, Ori, where would you start? Would you start with your XA or not? No, let's know. What was your first car? Because you, you started driving a lot <laughs> a lot earlier than I did. Yeah, well, thank so, you very much, Ori. <laughs> what was your first car? Well, my first official car was a, a Fiat 125 sedan. Classic. So, it's a classic now. Oh, it's certainly a classic now, and you cannot find them. They did rally them, those cars, back in the day. Oh, I did too, probably, but anyway, uh, not officially. <laughs> but the 125 was a very uh, square box design. What do they call it? The three box design. I loved that car. Plenty of room. Had a 1600cc engine, twin cam, rubber band, they used to call it. And I used to get the nickname Fix It Again, Taladira. But anyway, that <laughs> did was. Did you have many problems with it? In, in that sense, you know, fix uh, it again, was it always in the shop? No, not really. It was actually quite a good car, but the problem is, as a youngster, uh, I always wanted to modify it, make it more powerful, so I changed the engine to an 1800cc, okay. uh, you know, so changed the gearbox because that came with a four-speed and the special model of those came with a five-speed, you know, but I did have some fun and I, I have to say that the steering was very heavy. Clutch was reasonably heavy, but not too bad. And it would compete with the Australian muscle cars, uh, the lower capacity ones like the 253 V8s, uh, certainly around the hills. Straight line, possibly not. And yourself, Ori? So, yeah, we'll start with Fiat. And I was a mate of mine had a 131 Super Mirror Fiori, and I wanted one of those cars. And I, I remember finding one, and I said to my dad, I've got the car, let's go. It was only five grand back then. And uh, we took it to my uncle who was a mechanic and drove it around the block and done all that the little tests that the mechanics do. And I remember him saying, uh, look, it's got a bit of a noisy diff. Right? I said, well, for five grand, <laughs> you know, honestly, let's go and make an offer. So we went back to the shop. We drove it. My dad goes, you really want this car? I said, yeah, I do. You know, this is, I think this is the one. This is the one. I loved it. The four-speed uh, gearbox, but just nice and uh, tight and quick. It was beautiful. I loved that car. Anyway, we drove it, and my dad goes, all right, we'll make an offer. So we walked into the yard, and the salesman said, what do you think? Yeah, make us an offer. Five grand's too much. Yeah, make us an offer. My dad said two thousand. The salesman said no, and we walked out of the yard. <laughs> Simple so, as that. Yeah, yeah. A few weeks later, my dad goes, "I've bought you a car. Found your car. It was the XA Falcon three hundred two John Goss Special." Hey, that's one that it no, was, should have been a keeper. Yeah, that, yeah. I would love to have had that. That was my uni car, and as you know, I actually used to pick your brother up and take him to uni. And was that in what color? So it was white with the blue bonnet. And the orange stripes, 302, John Goss special. It was one similar on that uh, Alan Moffat uh, drove around Bath uh, Bathurst. Okay, so that was a manual? No manual four-speed Borg Warner gearbox. Oh. Uh, Beautiful car. Uh, bench seats. Well, I've got to say, I have driven an XA back ages ago. I know one guy at high school, he, he got one. I don't know how he ended up with one. But I drove it and I couldn't wait to get out of it. Because I was such a tiny guy sitting in that seat. I couldn't see over that huge dash of huge. that XA Falcon. But, but that, that, I was driving to uni with it. So yeah. imagine I was a little kid and yeah. I'm not the biggest lad, so it was a big car. It was a little bit driving a boat, you know. 
They are straight really, line. Straight line, yeah. They are. They're not as nippy. I never took it through the hills. Unfortunately, I had that car for a while. But yeah, it's a true collector now. You know, some of those are fetching in the hundreds of thousands of dollars at the moment. So yeah, the other one I've I, I drove, and uh, I was lucky enough that my uncle Uncle Charlie actually let me drive it. He had an Alpha One Hundred Five, the Bertoni uh, series seventeen fifty, leather seats, timber timber steering wheel in silver. Absolutely superb, you know. Um, the back sits lower than the front, you know, traditionally. And I was one of the only nephews that he let he let drive. I don't know why he let me drive it, but it, that was one that I do recall that was really nice to drive. And um, the steering, uh, sorry, not the steering, the seating position with the, I think the pedals come up from the floor, I think, in those rather than actually from the from higher up. And the gear stick was higher up on the dash. Yeah, know, halfway up yeah, the dash half, almost. Half, yeah. Unusual now when you see them and you sit in those cars. Yeah. It's I found that a bit awkward when the gear stick's up, yeah, up in the middle. I think you get used to it. Um, I found it a bit awkward too, but, I mean, I wasn't in the car for that long each time. But uh, you can certainly get used to it. But there was a nice feel, the leather seats and everything. It was a I really remember nice taking, compact. Yeah, I remember taking a um, Alfa Romeo, another car I found. I took my dad to see it again. GDV um, Sprint. Sprints? GDV, yes, I know. The yeah. smaller Alfetta sort of Correct, thing. Like the Alfetta. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. car. Went to drive that one. And my dad got into the driver's seat, hit his head, shut the door, said, we're not driving it, let's go. So that was the Alpha Sprint story. But I ended up going back and driving that car. And that was a great car to drive. Uh, really quick and nippy cars. Yep. So that, they're, they're classics. You know, and you still see some at – I remember one of my school teachers had one, actually. You know, a couple hundred thousand kilometres on the clock and not a problem. Had it in the workshop quite a bit, you know, now that uh, he uh, reminisces about it. But – Still, you see those cars around and um, refinish and refurb. They look unbelievable. The main thing is with uh, cars of that era, be it uh, European or even the Australian and American, is the the rust. Well, didn't they say all the Italian cars came over on boats? As they all did, but uh, you know, not protected and rained on and stuff like that. And so they were already rusty when they arrived. Yeah, I think it's if you you know once you've seen the cars, you know after they've go through a restoration sort of thing, you realise that the metal wasn't even protected at all. So yeah. some of the insides were just bare metal. So well, hence, yeah, some of those old Dino 246s, you see they actually um, drill into the side and put the metal protection in now yeah. to protect them because they weren't, like you said, protected. Yeah. So they'll wax them or whatever they drill. Correct. Yeah. They drill into the side of the panels. So. And what about your XA was a muscle car? Was any, a muscle car. any other muscle cars that you... Uh, no, I drove a couple of Valiants. Uh, have driven the um, GD, what is it, the 351 GT, Phase 4, Phase 2. Oh, yeah. is that right? Yeah, I've driven one of those. That's a big car. Yeah. That is a big car. Now, to really. me, that's like a boat. It's really yeah. uh, a big, big car. Yeah. I, very hard to handle. I found, found it very hard. To, I I actually enjoyed the XA more than that in drive, drivability. Well, the XA was a later model compared to the uh, XY or XW. Uh, one that I drove, um, which was a, a big American car, is I don't know if people, uh, listeners know about this one, is the Rambler Matador. Ah. That's by American Motor Company. That was probably uh, between 74 and, I don't know, 78 or something. That had a 360 cubic inch engine. I think that was from the Chrysler. Uh, big, big car, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, that had power steering and everything, so it was quite easy to drive. 
So that would have been because uh, I used to keep a book on uh, the cars I've driven and the capacity of the engine. You still do that? Well, I've lost that book, unfortunately, but that that was good. Because um, now that we're talking about it, I remember growing up, so when I was a kid, my dad, in our driveway, was a HQ Monaro, red, with the black black uh, lines on the bonnet. And I'll never forget, and he had uh, the gear knob, he had this uh, bad red back spider through the, oh, this, I, as was the gear knob, a tough-looking car. And I think about that now growing up as a kid, geez, we had muscle cars in our driveway, and, you yeah. know, didn't know what they really were when you were a kid. So I remember sticking a, uh, a Spider-Man sticker on the door one day as a kid. Yeah, that wasn't a good memory. <laughs> that definitely was a good memory of the Monaro. The other one that I recall is a friend of mine had a, a 67 Fastback, I think it was 67, maybe a 66 Fastback Mustang, 351, modified a bit, so it really used to go like the clappers. Three speed? Are they three speed? Well, it was a manual. I don't know how many speed it had. It was on the floor, but I don't know whether it was three speed or four. I think it might have been four. But all I remember that we took it down Norwood Parade in in Adelaide, you know, stopping at the lights, putting the clutch in, I couldn't wait, could not wait because my left leg was shaking trying to hold that clutch down. So... You know, um, it it really is a cruiser for straight line, you know, going long distance on a highway, uh, not really going around the hills. Not city driving, that's for sure. Certainly not city driving and not even through the hills. But, you know, really it was a big bulky car. It was similar to the XA, I would say, the XA. But that was, it was enjoyable before I drove it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I always wanted to drive my uncle's Valiant. He had a Valiant Regal. Uh, column uh, uh, three, three on the three column, on, three on the tree, three on the tree, and I was, you know, saw him driving that car. And I thought I'd love to one day drive that, and I think it was a little bit like your experience. Yeah. Once I drove it, a little bit of that uh, shine went away. And of all those cars, what, which one in terms of the classic cars driven that you think is what you prefer or you is like the most? Different cars. I love that XA Falcon. I did actually really enjoy driving that car. It was just I couldn't drive it every day. It was just too big. But I had great memories in it and the drivability, I did not have one problem with it. Um, So it was awesome, easy. When you open that bonnet, the ease to get to the engine, do anything, was just, jeez. Well, you can see the ground. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much space. So that, and the other one that I I still have a little soft spot is that 131 Fiat. Definitely, definitely. Did you end up driving that? Field? Yeah, I yeah. drove it. Yeah, yeah, I drove it. I drove it. Oh, away. that's right. You did say Yeah, I yeah. drove it. And, you know, that's one that I say got away. I still, you know, I'm still looking for them. It's very hard to find the Super Mirror Furies. Yeah. In Target Tasmania last year, there's a, there was a Super Mirror Fury that rallies. And I think it was winning, win, wins uh, their category often. So uh, they were apparently good rally cars as well. Actually, now you say that, you know, at Target. I remember going to Sydney to visit a cousin. And they had a Alpha Julieta 1600, 1600, 1800, yeah. and I got to drive that. And that was a 1967, 68. Right. And that was fantastic. So that was a sedan or? Sedan, yeah, sedan. So that was the boxy looking one. The boxy look, yeah, but the rounded shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boxy looking, yes. I think it was 1600, 1650, something like that. Uh, beautiful car. So that, that was my real, after the Fiat, Getting into then the Alpha, I really started to appreciate you know, Italian cars and Italian classics. There was a Fiat Dino that um, another mate had that he restored. 
the one two four Dino is that I think they called. Uh, but no, it would have been the um, the spider. It was a spider Fiat Dino spider. So yeah. that had the two four six engine in it. That car there, I've been in, not driven. He drove. He fully restored that car in beautiful uh, green, like a uh, uh, British racing green with tan leather. Immaculate car still around the streets today. So that's most probably one of the best. And I'm not a big spider fan, uh, but that's most probably one of the best spiders I've been in. Oh, excellent. What about some of the classics that you would um, that you haven't driven that you think you would really, really like? We have to put F40 there, don't we? Well, you can put F40. I'm going to put F40. That's, I, want, I want to drive an F40, definitely. But we know, we spoke about it, the 246 Dino, I want to drive one. Yeah. And I don't think you've driven one either. I've, I've not driven a 246. You know, I've sat in one. I mean, sorry, sat in one while someone's driving, but that was not at speed. It's just the seating position's a little bit different. The pedals are placed. Yeah. It's racing. It's set up for racing. So I'd love to drive one of those. Is there any other classic I'd like to drive? No, nah, I think I've got to, I've got to tick got F40 a, off. I have to tick You've got off. a soft spot for the 246. Yeah, though. 246, absolutely. Uh, out of the Ferraris, I was fortunate enough to actually drive uh, a 1959 250 PF, which is a 250 Pininfarina. Is that the oldest one you've driven? That's the oldest one I've driven. And I've got to say, I was I drove that with my middle son because uh, it was only two-seater. So the guy that had the car said, no, take it, take it, you know, go for a bit of a drive. It was a Sunday morning and, uh, you know, fairly tall gear stick, very, very mechanical, noisy, the whole thing because, you know, back then the soundproofing or whatever, V12, a small V12, it's 250cc per cylinder, so whatever that works out to. Um, is that a three-litre? Yep. Something like that. And I drove that, you know, that you have to be very gentle with the gears, and, you know, because it was it was cold. It was a cold morning. Were you panicking? Just well, knowing the value of that car. <laughs> well, we? I don't know what they're worth now, but um, was I panicking? I was more anxious rather than, you know, so I was very tentative with the car. And I took it round, you know, the extended block and took it back. So I didn't really take okay. it for very long. But I would love to actually have taken it for a day, another time like yeah. now, when, you know, you appreciate them, you know them a bit more and you're not as uh, nervous around them. Uh, but that was certainly something that I, I reckon I could have enjoyed even more. And, and, you know, when we say, where would you take those classics? Would you take them through the hills? Well, not really. I don't think they were really... It's more straight line, isn't it? I think Highway so. Highway driving. I think so. They were GTs, Yeah, those ones there. The one that uh, I haven't driven and I would, I think would be my favourite, because um, unless you drive it, you don't really know, is a Ferrari 275 GTB. Now, to me, that's the model that came out, came after the 250 GTO, uh, 275 GTB. You could get that in a four cam, alloy body and things like that. So they range in prices from, you know, small millions to big millions. And I've seen one in the flesh. At, uh, I remember seeing it at the Ferrari Nationals in Melbourne some eight years ago, whenever it was. And that's just a gorgeous car. Like, I mean, the photos do not do it justice. That's the one that's got a short wheelbase, long wheelbase. That's right. Yeah. Correct. The SWB is the one I love. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can get a long well, they call it long nose and yeah. short nose compared okay. to the two fifty where they call it short wheelbase. That's a beautiful car. Yeah, a really nice looking car. It's and it's not a big car. It's um it's actually quite a V12s. small package. It's a V twelve. So it would be a, I don't know, two seven five by twelve, which whatever that works out to be yeah. as well. But that's something of the car's not driven in a classic. That's something that num- number one I'd love to drive. 
and uh, assuming that I do enjoy it after you've driven it, that's the one that I'd like to have, but it's certainly out of uh, reach. Yeah, you'd love to see those cars driven and on yeah. the road. And, you know, with these classics that, you know, people have, we talk about it a fair bit, that people don't drive some of them. And you're wondering why don't they drive them and then they say, oh, I've got to get it out, there's parked behind another car, it's raining. So how do they maintain them? Because we're saying that you've got to drive these cars. You know, the seals dry out, the rubbers start to wear, all the fluids and gaskets, all these things if they're not used. So what are they doing? Well, that that is a, a good point and you really do need to drive them. More and more, you read, you need to drive these cars because they're going to deteriorate. So with the, have these guys, you know, that, that are storing them in sheds, they've obviously taken all the fuel out and things like that. Well, or- well, if they're storing it, I'm not sure what the you know what they would do to actually store it, or whether they just leave it and then by the time they want to start it, you know, you've got stale fuel, you've got all Correct. sorts of things. It's going to do you know, more damage to you know. the vehicles. But I, I know people that have got classic cars and they got two hundred thousand kilometres on them. And uh, they go well because they they keep servicing them and things like that. Going back to driving them in the in the rain, you know there is a that you know the Ferrari group often say, oh no, it's raining. I'm not taking my car out. And I know someone that never washed his car. You know, he <laughs> just doesn't want water to go anywhere near it. And I, I think that's come from you know bad experiences that people have had. Rust with the rust, rust. That's right. And but it doesn't apply anymore since you know really. Um, the 2000s or 95s, you know, they've been dipped in, you know, the corrosion protection from the factory, some are alloy bodies, alley, you know. They've got that tray underneath that covers the whole undercarriage, so there's nothing getting in. Yeah, the main but, the main parts is really with the wheel arches, the, the splash through there. Yeah. Uh, dirt gets in and you can't get out. But, you know, like your 360, for example, that's all alloy. Correct. You know, so, you know, you still, alloy can still corrode, but you don't have that you know, worry about the rust. So I remember speaking to one of the technicians when I got the three seasons. I said, what are, what are the main reasons not to drive it in the rain? And they're saying, you know, light rain's not a problem. It's a heavy, mucky, muddy days where you go through those puddles and things like that, that, that gets in and under into the, you know, the fine crevices and yeah. cracks and things like that. He goes, that's what we're trying, what you're trying to avoid. So I think that's what a lot of people have taken to an extreme, saying, I'm not going to drive my car in the rain because I might do some damage or it's yeah. going to, you know, corrode or things like that. But I agree, we've come such a long way. But certainly, I mean, if you, you know, if you drive your car when you want to drive it. Clean it straight after driving it. Yeah, you won't necessarily take it out because, you know, it's raining, you're still going to take it out. However, you know, I've done it before. If I've got a function, I've got no choice, I'll still drive it in the rain. But I will will clean it and wash it when you get home. And then also after you wash it, you actually can dry it with, you know, get some compressed air and, and dry all the crevices out so that it doesn't it doesn't hold. It's like when you get a, a proper clean detail. That's exactly what yeah. they do, right? Yeah. They clean every little nook and cranny. So now I think you've got to drive these cars. I don't know if I'll be driving one of the older classics, the 275, the 250, the Enzo in the rain. Well, you know, you say that, but um, I don't know if you've ever watched Goodwood Festival of Speed where they race the historic. So there's cars, the, the 250s, there's all sorts of cars um, that they'll race. Now, they, they don't seem to be worried uh, about whether it's going to be raining or not. You know, and they worth some of them are worth millions. They've got the old E-type Jags and, you know. And I suppose it's, look, I think value becomes something that we've got one, I've got one car. So for me, that is as valuable as, uh, someone that's already got a collection of them into the millions. 
it's all relative. For me, that is my million dollar car, my five million dollar car. So I'll treat it, uh, you know. I didn't buy it to drive it in the rain every day or race it or things like that, you know. These other guys that have got those cars and that do, that's what they've bought them for and they enjoy them. That's what these cars were made for. Those old Bugattis that we've seen at the technician's workshop, you know, they were racing cars. That's right. Right? So they were made to drive in all money, in those dirt tracks and things like that. Come on. And I suppose, you know, when the cars are worth a lot more money, you'd think – you know, people would think, well, maybe you shouldn't drive it just in case you damage it or whatever. But, I mean, if, say, for example, your car's worth a million dollars and you have a, an accident and it costs $100,000 to fix, assuming you've got the money and there's not a problem on that mm. side, relatively, that's not bad. But if you've got a car that's only worth 70000 and it costs you 100000 to fix because the damage is the damage, yeah, correct. then it's not worth it. So it actually makes sense that, that they it's use- not so bad that you damage a more expensive car. Yeah. Because the value's still there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you look at it that way, how many classic races are there, though, out there that people can actually take their classics and race them? Goodwood's one. Well, no, there's plenty. There's the Historic Racing Club here in in South Australia, and they'll have the Historics. They're racing the Historics um, at the the Bend soon, I think, if they haven't already done that. So there's... uh, And that can be any Historic. Yeah, they've got different categories in terms of engine size or, you know, different, you know, whether it's turbo, non-turbo, and uh, but they'll, they'll race uh, the historics. You know, they'll do hill climb, all sorts of things. Yeah, well, we should go watch that. Yeah, so you'll even have the veteran cars, so you'll have the open wheeler categories, and that's raced all around the world. So if, if you look that sort of stuff up, there's many, many events that you can race your classic. We've said the classic you've driven, you've owned, you've purchased. The one that you would like to uh, drive, you've given us that one. In your opinion, though, what is what is it that these classic cars give you? What emotion do they give you when driving them? The ones that you ha- were lucky enough to drive that you say, oh, no, you know what, that's why I love these cars. I love them over the new modern technology, the F1 gearbox, whatever it may be, the quicker shifts. What is it? I think the main thing is, is because you're actually doing everything that needs to be done. So there's no artificial stuff active or passive that is controlling what you want it to do like in a you know an f1 you put your foot down whether it's got in manual or not it will change gears by itself whereas you've got a five speed you put it in second gear you can over rev it you can damage the car because it hasn't got a rev limiter hasn't got power steering so everything is mechanical the feeling the the senses and that's i think that's what i enjoy you know um the soundproofing there's no soundproofing or minimal and yourself or i i agree i think the fact is you know and you look and i'll speak about my experience with the 360 and we said it in an earlier episode there's nothing in that car apart from an air conditioner, the gated shifter. It's got a radio there, which I've never turned on, and that's it. So I am driving that car. I'm making the gear changes. I am missing the gear if I miss it. I'm over-revving. I've come off the clutch too early. I've put the clutch down too early. Whatever I've done, I've done it. No computers overtaking it, you know, and that's what I love about it. You are you are the technician. You're the technician. You're the technician. Although in, in your case with the 360, you do have traction control. Yes, that which so, we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, actually, when did traction control come into the cars? Uh, traction control. Did the 355 have traction? No. No, so I think the 360 might have been the first one with traction control. I'm pretty sure the 355 doesn't have the traction control. So some of those old V12s, yeah. they get up there. They're heavy cars too. Yeah. But I think the, 
I mean, they're heavy cars and they're V12s, but they didn't have the power that, you know, the modern yeah, okay. cars have got. Yeah. So I think traction control, these other things that have come in, you know, the electronics and stability and that is because they're getting more and more power. So to be able to get that power onto the ground, you've got to have these other intervening electronics to keep it on the road. Because if you didn't have it, then, you know, there'd be deaths every every second. And you'd be spinning out. You'd be spinning out every corner because you know, just the power of the rear wheels is just out of control. All right, Mick. Well, I think we've touched on a few things yeah, there. We have. So uh, the time goes fairly quick and uh, we talked about our favourite classic cars that we've driven, some that we haven't driven. and some I'm that sure, we're still trying to drive. Yeah, and I'm sure the listeners uh, have got, you know, thinking about what they have driven and what they like and not like and which ones they thought they should have kept. You know, if I had my time again, I would have kept that one. And Yeah, you know. interesting. Everything that we've all driven and we've spoken about are all manuals. And so, so I remember when I was looking at the 360, he goes, you know, you want a manual? I said, absolutely. He goes, you know what? In 20, 30 years, manual cars may not exist. And our kids' kids will get into say, what is this stick thing? Sticking it. How yeah. do you use this? Yeah. Right. Well, we are going to get some younger <laughs> listeners on the show that uh, are starting to get into their classic cars. Which is, you wonder whether the you know the youngsters will have the same passion that we have. But a lot of them are still talking about manuals. Yeah. So uh, my three boys have all have all learned, or well, the last one's still learning, on to drive a manual. Um, I think it's important, and they prefer it. So look. I think the manuals are here to stay. Cars, you know, new manufacturers, I mean, current manufacturers are bringing out manuals because there's demand for it. Porsche bought out a 911 manual, sold out straight away. Yeah, the manuals actually sell out quicker than the automatics. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there is still a, a lot of people that want you know, the boy racer. Yeah, anyway. I think that's it for tonight, uh, Ori. Yes. Uh, thank you, Ori. We will leave it, we will leave it there. Like always, you can reach us on the show via email, mickandori at gmail.com. And remember, if your car's not a classic, it will be one day. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.